Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. We are going to be talking about tonight the single most important day of your entire life. No doubt about it, this is the most important day. More important than graduating, more important than getting married, more important than having children, more important than buying your dream house, getting your dream job, or going on your dream vacation. We are talking about Judgment Day. That is what we're talking about, the single most important. Now, the question would be, why would you not prepare for this? If you prepare for your dream job interview, but not Judgment Day, we have a problem. We prepare for, if we go on vacation for one week, we spend all these hours and times preparing, getting a rental car, packing our bags, yet what time have we spent preparing for Judgment Day? So it's possible we prepare for Judgment Day. There are rewards that will be given out, I'll talk about tonight, on Judgment Day. You will be getting eternal rewards, and there will be things in our life that we think matters now, that we spend all of our energy, time, and effort on now, but I I hate to be the guy to tell you, it will not matter on Judgment Day. So much stuff you spend your life on is going to be meaningless. So have you considered, you spend all this time on your retirement, all this time on your, your 401k, all this time on your Roth IRA, all this time building up stocks and real estate, but have you spent time preparing for Judgment Day? Now, maybe you haven't. Maybe you say, I've never even thought to prepare for Judgment Day. Well, praise the Lord that I'm here shouting at you, preaching the word of God. I'm going to give you a ton of verses tonight. So please have a a notepad out or something out. But I want you tonight to consider what judgment day will be like for you. What will matter on judgment day when you're standing before God naked before him without your fancy clothes, without hiding behind your job. Maybe you have an opulent job. Maybe you have power and money and you're listening to me right now. Friend. It doesn't matter. We just learned that last week when there was billionaires in a submarine and not a dollar could help them. We learned that when Steve Jobs passed away of sickness and his billions of dollars, it meant nothing. It meant nothing. And so much of what we live our life on is fading. So much of what we live our life for is fading. It will not matter on that day of judgment. So this is a very sobering and important sermon. Don't click off this video. This, this video matters because you're going to stand before God wishing someone told you and gave you the scriptures I'm going to give you tonight. So let's prepare now. You have breath in your lungs. You don't want to prepare when you're standing before him. You're going to wish you can go back and prepare. So this is, I know I feel like I say every week this is the most important message ever, but I, I don't know how many other messages in scripture are more important than us standing before God in judgment. It, it's going to change the way you treat your wife. It's going to change the way you work. It's going to change the way you pray. It's going to change the way you you read the Bible and you fast because you're going to start living your life in light of judgment day. There's not a day that goes by where I'm not thinking about judgment day. What? How is this going to affect? The way I talk is going to be brought up on judgment day. The way I live is going to be brought up on judgment day. The secrets in my life right now are going to be exposed on judgment day. No one will get out of this and no one will hide for this. What a glorious and terrifying day is the day of the Lord. Oh yes, there's a real man coming back. Beloved, there is a real 
Jewish man coming back to the Mount of Olives, returning, which I'll talk about his coming tonight a little bit, and he's going to expect something from us. This is no game. This is no joke. This is real. And the problem with this culture and this generation and the 2,000 of you live right now is you've been lied to. You think you have time. You don't have another 60 seconds. Beloved, the next 10 seconds isn't promised to you. You're not promised tomorrow. The Bible says a fool plans for tomorrow. Our generation thinks they have time. And I want to tell you right now, the clock is ticking. You are dying. I am dying. I just did a video. three. It got 300,000 views and the title was, I am dying. And everyone said, oh no, you have a terminal illness? Yeah, the illness is called human, being a human. That I'm fading away. I'm literally dying as I preach. Every second I'm preaching, I'm one second closer to standing before God. And every second you listen to me, you're one step closer to standing before God. We are all dying. We all have the terminal illness called sin and we all will die. But the beautiful thing is the Bible says, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, am I preaching tonight? Let me know. You will live even after death. Even after dying, you will live. And so we are all dying. You're dying. I'm dying. Now we might have a family member on their deathbed, but you don't understand. You're, all, you're also on your deathbed. When you go visit a loved one on their deathbed, you're, you are also on your deathbed. What, do, what are we wasting our life on? I don't want to waste my life on scrolling. I don't want to waste my life on watching TikTok videos. And I'm as guilty as you are. Like, oh, it's getting hot. I got to turn the fan up. I'm getting convicted because I'm also wasting my life on things that don't matter. What will matter in eternity? What will matter when you stand before God on judgment day? I promise you, you're not going to be on your deathbed saying, I wish I can go back and watch more TikTok. Hello, you're not going to be on your deathbed saying, I wish I can go back and drink one more time. I wish I can go to another party. I wish I could go to another rave or the club again. You're not going to be on your deathbed saying, I wish I would have watched more puppy videos on Facebook. I don't know what y'all are watching out here. You're going to say, I wish I can go back and do what matters. What matters, I wish I would have told someone about, about Jesus and gained eternal rewards because there will be some with no reward. Some of you will enter heaven barely, and I'm going to show you this in the Bible tonight. I'm just setting the foundation. You'll barely make it with no reward. In fact, some of you, oh, I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the fear of God, will end up in heaven and someone else will wear your crown. You will watch someone else wear your crown, wear your reward. Someone else, because you didn't do what God called you to do, will take your reward and your crown, and you'll be in heaven with no crown. And I'm going to show you tonight the different crowns that we can get on Judgment Day and the different rewards, according to the Bible, we can get. I don't know all of the rewards we can get, but the Bible tells some of them. You don't have time. Time flies. And this is so true. This is so true, guys. My daughter's about to be nine years old. And on the inside, I feel like I'm 16. I'm like, where did time go? I look at my daughters and I'm like, I have an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. And I was looking at my daughter last night. I was saying, I remember when you were just a baby. It was yesterday when you were a baby and now you're going to be nine. And I'm just, I've blinked. I've blinked and I'm, I'm like, I'm, there's no way I'm 32. How am I 32? How am I... Time isn't waiting for me. Life isn't waiting for me. It's passing me by. Am I only one in the chat? I'm like, where did time go? I'm, I'm an adult. I don't know how I became an adult. How did this happen? I have all this responsibility now. I have children. I have four. Me and my wife look at our four kids. We're like, where did they come from? Because we still feel young. And some of you are 50, 60, 70, and you still feel young. You still feel young on the inside. 
because time waits for no man. Our life is but a vapor. And what are we wasting our life on? Time flies. But here's the beautiful thing. You are the pilot. Time is flying, but you're controlling what you spend your time and energy and effort on. And I'm just learning as I get older, like so many things I thought matter when I was younger don't matter anymore. I don't, I don't understand why I wasted so many of my years worrying about things that literally don't matter. Eternity is not in front of you. It's on the side of you. God gave me this revelation years ago. Some of you think in 20 years, I'll stand before God. In 30 years, I'll stand. So eternity is way in front of you. It's way in front of you. Don't we all think that? Don't we all think like I have 30 more years and eternity is way up there in the future. But I learned through the brevity of life, watching young people pass away, watching friends and family pass away. Eternity is not in front of you. It's not 30 years. It's on the side of you. And if you've been a, a, a fan of my channel, you know how many times I've said this. Why? What's the difference between eternity being in front of you and being on the side of you? It's on the side of you, meaning you can step into it at any time. At any moment, death is not 30 years in front of me. Death is right next to me all the time. And I'm going to show you this in the Bible. And at any moment, I can step into it. I can breathe my last breath. Most people, 150,000 die every day. Don't wake up thinking today's my last day. I'm going to stand before God today. Most people don't know. Most people die tragically, suddenly, randomly, and they step over and I'm going like, oh, were they ready? Were they ready for eternity? This is the type of preaching that will get you right. Because if you don't get right, you're going to get left. You're going to stand before God and go, I didn't know this. Why did no one tell me? Why was my pastor so busy teaching me about my best life now and not the judgment seat of Christ? This is a strong sermon because it's a serious topic. Most people never get a deathbed. Most people never get a last moment. Most people never get an opportunity. And here's the scary, sad thing. This sermon I'm preaching tonight, for some of you, inevitably, you will turn from God and end up in hell. This sermon will ring through your ears for a billion years. You will be burning in hell hearing this message for a billion years. Please respond to God tonight. Please get your life together tonight. Not everyone gets a last moment. You say, what about the thief on the cross? Yeah, but the thief on the cross was the exception, not the rule. Not everybody gets a thief on the cross moment. The one thing you don't want to gamble with, write this down if you're taking notes, is your eternity. Yeah, you can gamble with your time. Yes, yeah, some of you, I think it's sin, but you can argue it's not. You gamble with your money. I wouldn't gamble with my money. I think it's a sin, but if you don't, okay. You can gamble with your money and your time and your this and your that. The one thing you can't gamble with is your eternity. Why aren't you taking the serious bullet? Friend, why, why are you so loose about your eternity? Why do you make decisions that will eternally destroy you? Eternity, write this in the chat. Eternity is too long to be wrong. Eternity is too long to be wrong. Now, maybe you're here tonight. I get it. Atheist, agnostic, you like my content. I don't know I don't know how you're an atheist and you like my content, but it is what it is. Maybe you're on your pathway to meeting God like I was. Praise the Lord. I used to be an atheist. I get it. And you like my content, but you say, Isaiah, what if you're wrong? Okay, let's think about this. What if I'm wrong about this whole Jesus thing? I know I'm not. I know 100,000% I'm not, but what if I am? What if I'm wrong about the gospel and Jesus and there is no God? and there is no eternity, and there is no hell, and there is no heaven, okay? Now, you might be an atheist in the chat, and the difference between you and me, if I'm wrong, please hear me tonight. I'm going to go slow on this. I'm wrong about this, and I die, and I soul sleep. There's nothing. I go back to the dust where I came from. There's no God, no heaven, no nothing. 
all I did was preach. It, it didn't mean nothing. It was all it was all it was all fake. There's no such thing as God. If I'm wrong, I saw marriages get restored. I fed the poor. I saw homeless people get shelter. I saw lives be changed. I saw people go from hating themselves, cutting themselves, wanting to kill themselves, wanting to kill others to now having life, having peace, having joy. I could go on and on and on. I saw people get healed. I saw demons cast out. That's the worst that can happen. I lived a good life. I lived a clean life. I lived a nice life. And I go back and whatever, I soul sleep. If I'm wrong, if, and I know I'm not, 100,000 billion percent, but you're an atheist in the chat. If you're wrong, then you are now spending a trillion years burning in the lake of fire because you rejected God. So who has more to lose? Beloved, you have so much to lose by ignoring the gospel, by not responding and by taking judgment day as a joke. You have so much to lose. Let me show you Hebrews 9.27. Look at this. And just as it is appointed for man to die once. So every man dies once. There's no reincarnation. There's no coming back. Look at what Hebrews says. And after that comes judgment. So for you Christians that believe in soul sleep and that one day we're going to be resurrected, but when you die now, there's no heaven or hell yet. It's at the end of time and revelation. No, no, beloved. It's appointed for man to die. How many times? Once. And then comes judgment. So immediately after you die, you stand before judgment before God. So for the believer, this is not a judgment of salvation. I'm going to show you all the scriptures and all the rewards and everything about judgment day tonight. So this is a fully exhaustive, comprehensive guide to judgment day. So for the, for the believer, if I'm saved, I still stand before God on judgment, but it's a judgment on my works. If I'm an unbeliever, it's sentencing to the lake of fire. That's, that's what judgment day is. So it's a, it's a beautiful day for the believer but it's a terrifying day for the unbeliever. If you are an unbeliever, please help me, Holy Spirit, with your conviction. Friend, you are in danger tonight. Absolute danger. You can't go to sleep tonight without calling out to God and getting right. You are in unfathomable danger. Unfathomable danger if you're not taking me serious, if you're not taking what I'm saying serious. Now, some of you say, well, well no, no, no. We, we don't go to immediate judgment. We go to purgatory. Purgatory is a false Catholic doctrine. You heard it here first. Purgatory is not real. Now you might say, well, what is purgatory? According to Catholics, I'm getting this from their website. Now, some of you Catholics are like, we don't believe that. Well, this is what your website says. Purgatory is a state of those who die in friendship with God, who are, have eternal salvation, but still need to be purified before they enter heaven. So it's, it's almost like, and I know I'm butchering it a bit, but it's like a waiting room of purification. Now, how can we help souls in purgatory. This is what Catholics believe. This is false doctrine, by the way. They think that by communion, by doing works, by sacrificing, by indulgences, works of penance, by almsgiving, basically by giving money to the Catholic Church. Let's just be honest. That's what it's all about. You can offer prayers, offer money, and get your friends and family out of purgatory. Beloved, that is false doctrine. The Bible does not teach it. It's absolutely false. There's no such thing as purgatory. It's a lie made up by the Catholic Church. You will go and stand before God after death. You will not go to purgatory. How is it false? I'm going to tell you how it's false, Akira. It's false because the Word of God does not teach that. It is a man-made doctrine. It is not found in Scripture. It is not found in the Bible. It is a teaching of men made to convince people to give more money, to come to church more, to join, to go to mass more, and to manipulate. Purgatory does not exist. It's not a scriptural concept, just to be clear. It's not a scriptural context. It's a false teaching. Look at Romans chapter 2, verse 5 through 11 says, if you have your Bible, Romans 2, 5. Look at, but because of your hard and impotent heart, 
You're storing up wrath on the day of judgment when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render each person according to their works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek glory and honor and immortality, he'll give eternal life. But those who are self-seeking, that do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. This is what the book of Romans chapter two, verse five says. For the, for the godly, immortality and eternal life. That sounds amazing. But what about the, what about the self-seeking people? What about those that don't obey the truth, Paul? What do they get? Here's what they get. Because you will get something on judgment day, beloved. You will get something. You will get wrath and fury. And if you don't know about the wrath and fury of God, go watch my videos on the book of Revelation. God's wrath and fury is no joke. So there is something for you. But look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Paul makes one of the most important principles about judgment day. 2 Corinthians 5, 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, all of us, unbeliever and believer, so that each one may receive what is due, what he's done in the body, whether it's good or evil. So here's why tonight is so important, why I'm shouting, why there's veins popping out of my neck, why I'm sweating and why I'm yelling like this. Every single one of us will stand. This is why it's important. There is not one person, there's 3,000 of you in the, in the broadcast. There is not one of you that will escape the judgment seat of Christ. Well, I don't believe in it. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, oh, I hate to tell you, your beliefs don't matter. You will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Those watching on the replay, those that will never see this, will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Every single person will have their time before God in judgment. Doesn't matter how much money you have, doesn't matter your status, how many followers, doesn't matter. I have 50 million followers on Instagram. So, meaningless on judgment day, you will stand before God. You will appear, Paul says, meaning your attorney can't go for you. Your family can't represent you. Your pastor can't go and speak on your behalf on judgment day. Your parents aren't going to be there. If you're past that age of knowing about sin and being accountable, friend, if you're a child or a teenager, listen, please to me right now. Your parent will not stand for you. You will stand before God. Your husband won't stand for you. Well, my husband's a believer. Don't matter. He won't stand for you. Your wife won't stand before you. You will stand before God, you and God. And the Bible says no one will escape that great and dreadful day. It's called the great and dreadful day for a few reasons. Some it'll be dreadful, others it will be great. But you, I'm telling you right now, the life on earth, this 70 years you might have is just a test. That's all it is. Just like in school, you take a test. The test is a 30 minute, 45 minute. It's not your whole college semester. It's just a test to see if you know the material. This life is a mere test for eternity. That's all it is. And there's coming a day where God says, put the pencil down and he's going to grade you. That's judgment day. Judgment day is when God says, put the pencil down. I'm going to grade you. And so no one knows, not one of us know how close we are to judgment day. Some of you in the chat are an hour away, are five hours away, are 10 years away. You might live to your 85, praise the Lord, but you might not. You might live another week. Not one, None of us know when the master says, put the pencil down. So what happens on judgment day? You receive what you've done, good or bad. So there's a reward based on what you did. So the good that you're doing, now this is a good thing because the good you're doing doesn't go unnoticed. If you're doing good, God is writing that down and you'll get a reward. It's not going to be unnoticed. God notices. You're going to get a reward. And I'm going to show you at least five or six clear rewards in scripture you probably don't even know about. Now, if you're doing bad, you're also going to get a reward, and that's the wrath and fury of God. For the wages of sin is death. 
but the gift of God is eternal life. So there's a price to pay for your sin and disobedience. You thought sin was free. The devil lied to you. You will pay for your sin. You will. If you're not a Christian, you will pay for your sin. If you are a Christian, thank you, Jesus, that you paid for my sin, that the one that knew no sin became sin so that I could become the righteousness of God. How do I pay for the sin that I've committed my whole life? The blood of Jesus paid for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So don't, don't tell me sin is not a big deal. The world tells you it's no big deal to lie. It's no big deal to smoke and drink and cuss and watch pornography. It's no big deal to cheat on that, cheat on that, or not live holy or not pray or cheat on people or your taxes or manipulate. It's okay. But God says, oh, you will be judged. Now you haven't been judged yet, but just because God hasn't judged you, you will reap what you sow. The bad you're doing in this life will matter in the next life. The things you listen to, the things you watch, the things you say, what you've done behind closed doors will matter. In fact, the Bible says there's coming a day where God will judge the secrets of men. Get rid of the secrets, beloved. They, they, they have weight to them. It's exhausting to have secrets. I lived so many years before I was saved with secrets, exhausted, tired. The reason why you can't go to bed at night is because you have so many secrets, you're afraid of everyone finding out. Get rid of the secrets because they will be exposed on judgment day. Now, 1 Corinthians 3, Paul gives one of the most shocking truths in all of scripture. And I've preached this, I don't know how many times, and I'm going to keep preaching it. Look at what 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look what Paul says. But on judgment day, so now we're talking about judgment day. The, the fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder receives a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder suffers great loss. Look at what he says. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping the wall, the, through the wall of flames. So Paul is saying this, and I'm going to just give you an idea of what he might be talking about because we don't fully know the full details. But it sounds like Paul is saying on judgment day, this is what it sounds like. There will be a fire, okay? A literal fire on judgment day. All of your works, that means everything you've done in this life, the job, the car, the career, the retirement, the stocks, everything that meant something that you built, because we're all building our lives. I'm building my life. You're building your life. We're all building for our family. We're all building. Okay, so that's great. But all of the stuff you've been building gets thrown in a fire. And the only thing that remains is that which is eternal. The rest gets burned up. If it's not eternal, it gets burned up. And the builder, if you have no reward, will suffer great loss and barely be saved. So I am not here to call your salvation into question if you are a Christian. You probably are saved, but some of you will have nothing to show for your life. You're going to look at your Instagram, your TikTok, your, your job, your career, everything, everything you've spent time on, everything you've done, okay? Your house, everything. It all gets thrown in the fire. And then God scoops up a pile of ashes and God picks up the ashes and looks at you on judgment day and says, that's what you spent your life on. You spent your life on a pile of ashes, all the time and energy to work and to invest and to get everything nice. And guys, let me make this explicitly clear. If you don't know where I stand, I do not have any problem with having nice stuff. I think it's awesome. Have nice stuff. Don't let the nice stuff have you. I have no problem. I have nice stuff, but the stuff doesn't have me. I always say this about whether it's a house, a car, anything we have, my kids know, my wife knows. I'm like, it's, it's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. The nice car, cool, great, but it's going to burn. I know 
my car, my house, everything I have is going to burn. I absolutely know that. It's not going to matter. It's going to be a pile of ashes. So the stuff doesn't matter to me. If the car gets a dent, oh well, I literally don't care. I'm not going to lose sleep over it because I know the stuff is nice, but I know everything I have is going to be a pile of ashes. I literally know that. When I buy something, I'm like, this is an expensive pile of ashes because it's all going to burn. So the stuff, if I lose it all tomorrow, doesn't really matter. But what does matter? Who I discipled, who I prayed for, who I preached to, who I ministered to, who I baptized, all the nice stuff, great. Friends and family could enjoy it. Yes, awesome, amazing. I'm glad you have that. Buy me one. Okay, you have a nice car, nice house, great, help us, cool. Yes, let's all help each other. But it's all not gonna matter. What will matter is, were you making disciples? Were you baptizing people? Were you preaching the gospel? What did you do for Jesus? Did you have a relationship? So I am fully aware that I, I'm, I wanna build stuff with eternal value. I wanna spend my life, get the temporary cool, but just know it's not gonna matter on judgment day. It's nice to enjoy here. We all like nice stuff and the Bible doesn't preach against having nice stuff. It preaches against letting the stuff have you, letting the stuff hinder your walk and relationship with God. So I don't wanna be barely saved. What, what are we doing now? Let's ask this, okay, man, I got so much to cover tonight. This might have to be two parts. What are we doing now that's gonna matter in 150 years? Ask yourself that. That's a heavy question. What are we doing now that's going to matter in 150 years? Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, I'm not even going to be here in 150 years. That's my point. My point is, what am I doing that's going to matter in eternity? What am I going to have in eternity that's going to matter that I spent my life on? That's what I'm talking about. I'm not, one guy said, like, what's your 10-year plan? I'm like, friend, what, what's your 150-year plan? What's your 1,000-year plan? What's your 5,000 year plan? What's your 5 million year plan? Oh, you thought that you only live 70 years? Oh, no, no, no. If you're a believer, you'll live even after death. You are going to live for a trillion plus years, beloved. Where will you live is the question. Because this life is just a vapor, the Bible says. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It's here one day, gone tomorrow. You can't name one family member from 200 years ago. Name one of your family members from 300 years ago. Name one of your family members for, you don't remember them. And guess what? They won't remember you. I hate to be the guy to tell you that. In 400 years, if Jesus doesn't come back and tarries, no one's going to know your name. No one's going to know you. You're going to be a, you're going to be a dash between two dates on a tombstone. You have your birthday and your death on your tombstone. And there's a dash. That's your entire life. Your entire life is summed up in a, on a dash between a tombstone. And you're going to tell me that, it matters that you spent eight hours a day watching Netflix and TikTok and Instagram. Guys, I'm trying to give you, this is real. Don't be barely saved. Don't have no reward on judgment day. Ask yourself, we're all builders according to 2 Corinthians. What am I building? What am I building? Am I building something that's going to matter? Or am I building something that's not going to matter? I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. What am I building? Does it have value? Most of us, and oh, it's strong to say it, but I'm going to say it. Most of us will have spent our life on a pile of ashes. That's the truth. That's the truth. Most people have spent their life on a pile of ashes and you're gonna go, oh, I can't believe I spent 70 years on a pile of ashes. I didn't know that God was gonna throw all my works in a fire. I didn't know all my stuff was gonna go in a fire. Oh yeah, it's gonna go in a fire. It's gonna go in a fire, all of it. All of it's gonna go in a fire. What will remain? What will be left? Because as you watch your stuff burn, imagine judgment day watching a bonfire of all of your like 
my house, my car, my boat, my career, my degree. I went to school for 14 years. I went to college for 12 years to become that. And God just threw my degree in the fire and you're watching your life burn. And all of a sudden it's becoming ash and you see a diamond in the fire. You see a ruby in the fire. You see an emerald in the fire. You see a sapphire in the fire. You see things that are gold, a gold bar in the fire. You see a crown. You're like, whoa, there's a crown in the fire. The boat, the house, the car, all that. Great. Again, I want to make sure I'm clear. Have it, please. I want to go out with you. Let's enjoy it. It's all ashes. And, and then God picks up di a diamond and says, this was the time you discipled that person. God picks up an emerald and says, this was the time. And I, got ch I get chills as I say this. I have chills all over my body because it's so real to me. This was the time that you prayed for that person in front of 7-Eleven and God picks up an emerald and God picks up a sapphire and says, this was the 30 years you spent serving in church. God picks up a crown and says, this is the crown of life. This is for you for enduring. This is the crown of perseverance. This is the crown of joy. And I'm going to show you in a few minutes, literal crowns you're going to get on judgment day according to scripture. These are the eternal rewards. And God goes, oh yeah, that was that one time you mowed that lady's lawn and then shared the gospel with her. That was that one time you thought no one was watching, but you were stacking chairs every day in the church and you were helping and you were doing yard work at the house of God and you were preparing and you were doing the sound system in the back. And if it wasn't for you doing sound, they wouldn't be able to hear the gospel. And you weren't the pastor, but you were helping and you were the one that was changing the toilet paper in the, in the bathroom of the church. These are the things that matter that got people into the house of God. That was that one time that you discipled that guy late, you were tired you were weary that was that one time look at this diamond here that's from all the deliverances you did you prayed for the sick and you drove out demons these are the rewards beloved that are going to matter not TikTok, not what i have and none of it matters and again i'm saying this from a place of that's great that's great you have all that stuff but what's going to matter this is what solomon says in ecclesiastes 7 it's better to spend your time at funerals than at parties this is what he says. After all, everyone dies, so the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. And then he says this. Look at what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 7. This is Solomon, the wisest person in the Bible apart from Jesus. He says this. Look at A wise person thinks about death constantly, but a fool only worries about having a good time. A wise person thinks about death constantly, but a fool only worries about having a good time. Solomon says... We're all, it's better to go to a funeral than a party because there's a refining influence tonight. There's something sobering about death. There's something sobering about judgment day. So Solomon says it matters. A wise person thinks about the judgment. The wise person thinks about eternity. A wise person thinks about life after death, but a fool only worries about how could I have pleasure now? How could I be happy now? How could I be satisfied now? Now, let me give you before I go into the rewards we're going to get five purposes of judgment day okay five purposes write these down of judgment day number one purpose of judgment day is accountability for your actions look at what second corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 says for we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ so each one of you will receive what you did in the body good or bad okay so judgment day reminds us that our actions in this life have eternal consequences so we will be held accountable for good or bad and this should make you motivated to live a righteous life. So number one is accountability for actions. Judgment day is a time where God holds us accountable for the way that we live our life. If we live our life bad, judgment day is the time where God brings that up. If we live our life good, judgment day. Now you might be standing saying, well, God hasn't affirmed me. 
God hasn't told me if I've been living bad or living good. And you think God's silence is God ignoring the fact you're living bad or ignoring the fact you're living good. Judgment day is God speaking out against your life and saying, I am not silent. Just because I haven't said something now in the 70 years doesn't mean what you do now won't echo for eternity. So number one is judgment day's purpose is accountability for actions. You will be judged based on what you did. For all of you Christians, and I hate to come at you strong, but I have to, that say, oh, it's not about works, brother. Works don't matter. I hate to tell you, works absolutely matter on judgment day. Now, works don't get you saved. Works prove you've been saved. That's why James says, if you have faith without works, your faith can't save you. You need to have action. You're not saved if you just believe, but have zero action in your life. Because the action proves, the action proves you've actually believed. So judgment day's purpose, accountability for your actions. Number two, justice and reward. That's what judgment day is for. Justice and reward. Romans chapter two, verse six. He will render each one according to his works. So judgment day, God will ensure justice is served. Those that faithfully followed him will get a reward. And those that disobeyed him, rejected him, denied him, cursed him out will face consequences i know what you know i i agree with what you would say is i watch the grammys i watch the all these shows i I don't even name some of them because they're so dark and demonic and you see certain people from certain communities mocking god you know they're twerking on the cross they're literally just making uh i i don't i can't even say it because i don't even want to blaspheme god by saying the shameful things they do i feel gross saying the shameful things these people do. And we watch them on the Grammys on television mocking our Jesus, mocking our Savior. And you you think like, God, why wouldn't you just strike him dead right now? But trust me, every single person that has mocked him, shaked their fist at him, rejected him, denied him, they will see justice. Justice will be served. God will render each one according to his works. So just because God isn't judging them now doesn't mean he won't judge them. So you will be judged. That gives us hope and they will be judged. So don't worry. You don't need to try to judge them and yell at them. Paul says we judge those in the church, not outside the church. They will receive judgment from God. Okay. So number two is justice and reward. Number three is resurrection and eternal life. Okay. The Bible says in John 5, 28 through 29, do not be amazed at this for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear this voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live. And those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. So there will be resurrection and eternal life. Judgment day is that resurrection. You'll be resurrected on judgment day into new life. You'll be raised to eternal life with Christ with no more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more, te- no, no more tears. And then those that didn't put their faith in Christ will receive punishment and will be condemned. They will also rise. The ungodly will also rise, but they will rise to re- receive condemnation and punishment. So number three is resurrection and, e- and eternal life. Number four, purpose of judgment day is accountability for our words. Oh, this is very, very scary right here what i'm about to show you okay very scary matthew 12 verse 36 but i tell you that everyone will have to give an account on judgment day for every empty word they have spoken let me quote this again this is red letters the words of jesus everyone will give an account on judgment day for the empty words they have spoken no one's getting away from this no one's getting out of this 
we will all be accountable for the empty words we spoke. How many empty words did I speak today? How many vulgar things? How many vain things? How many shameful things? How many negative things that tore down? Things that weren't godly? Things that didn't honor him? Words that were tearing others down and mocking others and curse words and we have pastors right now. I won't mention names because I'm not, I don't, I don't have the time to start a, a war with anybody, okay? I don't have time for drama and war. So I, I'll just refrain, even though I think they should be called out for this. I'm going to refrain from calling them out by name. I've already made a video on it and I did my best to just give you the Bible teaching. We have pastors now saying it's okay to cuss. We have pastors saying God told them to cuss. Literally one of the most famous pastors of our generation just got done saying God told me to cuss in my podcast. That's absolute, and I, I use this word sparingly. That is cap. You're lying on God. God did not tell you to cuss. Yeah, I woke up and God told me, I heard him say, I want you to do this to reach people. No, 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 no. The devil told you to. Just be honest, it was, a, it was a demonic spirit that told you to cuss. God is not out here telling people to cuss. And the weird part about some of you is you're like, oh, it's fine, I'll still listen to them. What? How are we gonna listen to people? And then I read the, letter, the words of Jesus, and Jesus goes in Matthew 12, every empty word, will, you'll be accountable on judgment day. Yet pastors are saying, it's okay to cuss, it's okay to curse. No, it's not. And if you're cursing and cussing, repent now. Because God's going to be like, you said this, you said that. Well, brother, I'm under the blood. Yeah, but you, if you keep on sinning, the blood's no longer there to forgive your sin, the Bible says. You will be accountable for your words. That's number four. Number five, the purpose of judgment day is separation some of you are typing his name in the chat okay i'm not going to ban you i'm not going to delete you mod let them type the name if they need to it is what it is okay i believe you should be getting called out for this trash number five is separation of the righteous and the wicked look at what matthew 25 32 says he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats okay so a shepherd might have a herd of sheep but there's also goats mixed in and the shepherd's going to separate them in the same way on judgment day, God is going to separate the righteous from the wicked. He will gather his followers, grant them eternal life in his presence, and those that rejected him will get separated. He'll put them to the left, and they will receive the full brunt of God's wrath. Absolutely, it is a time of separation, the sheep from the goats. So I don't really want to spend my life trying to call out all the goats in the church. I don't really want to spend my life trying to call everybody false, condemn everybody, heresy hunt. I have 1400 videos. I don't call people out by name. I probably will be soon because there's a few absolute heretics in the body of Christ right now that are in my world that are spewing witchcraft and garbage. So honestly, if I'm just being honest, if God gives me the assignment, the only, the only reason why I haven't called them out yet is because I don't have a piece. But if God gives me the green light, I probably will call one or two people out soon that are absolutely spreading demonic poison in the church. And a lot of y'all are falling for it. But 1400 videos I haven't been calling people out. I haven't been doing, I haven't been doing that trash. So just so you know, 100%, just so you guys know, there will be a day of separation. Someone said one of the links has a yoga pose. I'll fix that, April. Thanks for show, sharing that with me. That's the company that is hosting that link. I'll, I'll get that fixed, okay? But just so you guys know, there will be a separation. So I'm not going to spend my life trying to separate them and call them out by name and be a heresy hunter because the Lord's going to do that. The Lord's going to do that. Now, we're all going to stand. What are some of the rewards you might receive on Judgment Day? If I'm going to get a reward on Judgment Day for doing right, what are some of these rewards I might receive? There are five, write all these down. These are very important. Five crowns that the scripture tells us. You probably don't know about these, 
but there are actually five different rewards and different crowns. There's many more rewards than five, but there are five crowns scripture identifies that you can get. So I'm going to show you in the Bible, 3,000 of you on here, praise the Lord. I'm going to show you crowns that you can get and an idea of how you might be able to get them. Now, the, the way you could get them is not 100% exactly. There's probably other ways, but I'm just going to do my best to show you these five crowns that you can get eternal rewards the Bible talks about. Again, not limited to these five because there's plenty more I'll show you, but let's go with five. Number one is the crown of victory. And I'm going to give you verses for this. Write these down in the chat. First Corinthians chapter nine, verse 25 says this. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. We have an eternal crown of victory that we get. This is the crown of victory, and this is for those that overcome the flesh, that discipline their bodies. So you must discipline. You must be a Christian of discipline to get the crown of victory. This is that eternal prize of victory that we get that Jesus awards to us on judgment day. If you've lived, write this down, a disciplined Christian life. Now, if you're not disciplined, if you're one of those, you don't pray, you don't read, you're not one of those that spends the time with God and you're just a lazy, kind of all over the place Christian, you probably, now I'm not going to say you won't because I'm not God, but you probably won't get the crown of victory that 1 Corinthians 9.25 discusses, okay? Number two is the crown of rejoicing. Write this down, the crown of rejoicing. Philippians chapter four, verse one says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends. You are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. Let me say that again. You are, the, you are my joy and the crown that I will receive for my work. First, uh, Thessalonians 2, 19 through 20. Look at this. After all, what gives us hope and joy? And what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before the Lord Jesus when he returns? It is you. So this is the crown of rejoicing when we stand before God. It's a crown of, of hope. It's a crown of joy. And this is those who have led others to become followers of Jesus. To win this crown, you need to share your faith. If you want the crown of rejoicing and you want to rejoice in those that have been saved because of your ministry, you need to share your faith with people. If you, don't, if you never share your faith, you probably won't get the crown of rejoicing. Okay, number three, the crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look for his appearing or look forward to his appearing. So Paul says this to Timothy. There's a prize called the crown of righteousness that I'm going to get. Why am I going to get it? Because I've waited for the day of his return. So how do we get the crown of righteousness? We need to eagerly and patiently await the second coming of Christ. You need to live your life as if Jesus can return and you're, you're eagerly waiting for the return of our Lord, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, the return of Christ. Okay, and I have videos on the tribulation and the rapture. I have literally hundreds of hours on teachings on every verse in Revelation and all that. You can search the channel. But if you want the crown of righteousness, you need to live your life eagerly awaiting for Jesus. Don't live your life like Jesus isn't going to return. Number four is the crown of life. James chapter 1, verse 12. God blesses those who patiently and endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So James tells us there's a crown of life that is promised to those that love God. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days. But if you remain faithful when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. 
Okay, so two verses there, we see the crown of life. This is a reward for those that patiently endure testing, patiently endure temptation, patiently endure suffering, uh, persecution, and even martyrdom. You get this crown. So the, to get the crown, you need to remain faithful to the end, and you need to love Jesus more than your own life, okay? That's James chapter 1, verse 12, and Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. <clears throat> Excuse me, and you guys can rewind this after. Okay, the last crown in Scripture, I think there's probably many more crowns, but I can only give you the ones in Scripture. I'm not going to be out here. Well, God showed me. No, no, no. We're going to go to the Bible here. Is number five, the crown of glory. And look at what 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. I should have had all these on screen. I apologize. I should have I spent more time getting these on screen. He says, and now a word to you who are elders in the church. <clears throat> Excuse me. I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And I will also share in his glory when he's revealed to the whole world as a fellow elder. I appeal to you. Verse 2, care for the flock that God has given you. Watch over them willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you'll get out of it because you want to serve God. Verse 3, don't lord over the people God assigned you to care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great, verse 4, shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of never-ending glory and honor. So what happens if you care for the people of God? If you're in a place of authority, you get the crown of glory, of never-ending honor and glory. So you must lead by example. You must exhibit love and humility, and you need to watch over those around you. If God has entrusted people into you, uh, uh, over your care, if God has entrusted people into your hands, and God says, I've given you this flock. Maybe you're not a senior pastor, but God has given you a flock. If you want to win this crown on Judgment Day, the crown of glory, you need to watch over them. You need to be humble, and you need to lead by example. And look at what he says. He says, don't lead these people to see what you can get out of it. Lead them because you're eager to serve God. I'm not trying to get something out of you. I'm doing this because I'm eager to serve the Lord. I'm doing this because God has called me to do this. That's the crown of glory. Now, let me give you, that's the five crowns for sure. The Bible tells us you can get on judgment day. But let me also, let me also show you some other stuff you can get. Matthew chapter 19, verse 29, Jesus says, anyone that gives up houses, brothers or sisters, fathers or mothers, children or property for his sake will receive a hundred times as much in return. You're like, I don't believe that. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. Matthew 19, 29, anyone who gives up houses, brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, children, or property Go look it up yourself. We'll receive a hundred times in return. And it also says not just in this life, but in the next life. So if you're giving houses, finances, property, um, you've, you've lost your family. You lost a brother, a sister, a mom, a dad. You've been abandoned for your faith. Because of Christ, your family has persecuted you, abandoned you. You've lost real things. You lost your job. You're like, man, I was getting paid $200,000 a year and I had this property and I lost it because I'm preaching and I, I refuse to stop preaching. God goes, I got you, fam. You're going to get a hundred times that in return. That's amazing because a lot of us and a lot of you have lost. Okay. And I, I, I just look at an, an, a small, a small, not even hardly being persecuted in my own life. Right, I get banned from the TikTok creator program means I can't be monetized there. I get banned off Facebook means I can't be monetized. I can't make no money on Facebook. I get banned on Instagram, it means I can't make no money. I have lost three of my four platforms, all financial gain. I make no money on Instagram, no money on TikTok, no money on Facebook. I was making money for views, 
but I've lost that. Why? Because I won't stop preaching the truth. They don't want me to preach what I'm preaching. They said, if you don't stop saying this, you lose your monetization. And now I'm losing money, real money, because I won't stop preaching. So God goes, okay, you've lost finances, you've lost money, and I'm just giving you guys a small Americanized, watered-down example. But God says, you've lost the money because you won't stop preaching. I'm going to repay you in eternity. And, and not only that, in this life, God blesses me. The moment I lose my monetization on these platforms, God uses people to bless me even more. Our studio, we didn't have the money to build the studio. It was insanely expensive to get the property, to get the all that. And people stepped up and said, we're going to pay for it. All the cameras, all the equipment. Our studio, as a whole testimony, was completely paid for by three specific people. And I didn't even have to ask them. They literally said, God told us to do this. So if you give things up in one side, God will replace them and replenish them and reward you when you give that up, okay? Also, John 14, 2, Jesus says there will be a heavenly mansion being prepared. Now, some people say it's not a literal mansion. It's not a literal this, but you will be getting a mansion, okay? A mansion with no utility bills, no floods, no fires, no water bill, no taxes. Hello, somebody. No adjustment taxes, no improvement taxes, no grass that doesn't need to be mowed, neighbors that are nice. Yes. Yes. I'm going to have nice neighbors in heaven. Now, a lot of people debate. We don't think it's a real mansion, a real house. I just read it. I'm like, I'll take, I'll take it. If I'm going to have a place, a mansion prepared for me, I'm going to get something in heaven. Now look at what revelation says. Now let's get serious again. Revelation chapter three, verse 11. Jesus says this, hold tight on what you have. So no one will take away your crown. And then look at what Revelation 22 verse 12 says. Look, I'm coming soon and I'm bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. Let me quote that again. Revelation 22 verse 12. Jesus said, look, I'm coming soon and I'm bringing my reward with me to repay all those according to their deeds. So don't let anyone take your crown. Imagine living in eternity and someone else wearing your crown and seeing someone else wearing the crown that God intended for you. So we need to hold fast to our faith. We need to hold on to the passion, the fire, and the assignment God has given us. So on judgment day, we won't have a pile of ashes because Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Remember, several weeks after the resurrection of Christ, the disciples were on the Mount of Olives talking to Jesus. But look at what Acts 1 verse 6 says. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore a kingdom? Verse seven, Jesus replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they're not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Verse nine, after saying this, look at this, he was taken up in a cloud while they were watching so they can no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising to heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood next to them. And verse 11, men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Now, it sounds like a dumb question. Uh, Jesus just left on a cloud. You guys thought your car was cool. Jesus drives a cloud, okay? Literally, he gets taken up on a cloud. These two white-robed men are standing there, and they're like, what are you looking at? I'm like, oh, I mean, obviously, I'm looking at Jesus be taken. And this is what they say. They say, Jesus has been taken into heaven. And they say this, but someday he'll return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. This is verse 11. Men of Galilee, why are you staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken to heaven. These are angels, obviously. But in the same way, he'll return in the same way you saw him go. So they, they were basically saying this. 
in the same way a real man left heaven, in that same way, there's a real man coming back. Mark 13, 26. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming from the clouds with great power and glory. So imagine this. Everybody's going to see the coming of the Lord. There's a man coming back on a cloud, on a war horse. Actually, better, a war horse. There's a real man that left on a cloud and is coming back on a war horse. This is real. Every news station, every channel, every smartphone, the entire world's attention is going to be on Jesus returning. When a real man descends from the clouds on a war horse. And imagine the terror of his enemies as they watch the Lord return. As they, they gather at, at the Armageddon for that great battle. And the Bible says, out of the breath of his mouth, he conquers all the, all the armies of the world. Matthew 24, verse 27. Just as lightning can be seen from one sky to the other, so it will be as return. So the Bible says, just as you can see lightning way far away, at his return, every person will see his coming. Now, I don't know how will this be technology? Will this be? We don't know. But we know everybody's going to see his return. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Look. He comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him and those who pierced him and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. So before Jesus arrives on the scene, the heavens and the earth are going to announce his arrival. The clouds of heaven are going to announce his arrival. Revelation chapter six, verse 12 says the sun will go dark and the moon will turn red and stars will fall from the sky. And according to Revelation six fourteen, the entire sky will peel back, peel back, Roll up like a scroll and the earth will begin to shake at his coming. Revelation 16, 18. The largest earthquake that has ever existed will happen. It'll be so large that the Bible says at his coming, the mountains will disappear. Think about that. At the coming of the Lord, Revelation says, the largest earthquake that's ever happened and the mountains will disappear. The Bible says the people of the world will know he's coming and they'll try and hide in caves, fearing the wrath of the Lamb. They will literally say, who can escape the wrath of the lamb and the one to come? And they'll hide and they'll tell the mountains, fall on us, fall on us. So we can escape the wrath of the lamb. Very clear. There's a man coming back. And after these things, every nation will mourn. Look at what Ezekiel chapter 43 verse two says. Suddenly the glory of God of Israel will be appeared from the east. The sound of his coming was like the roar of rushing waters and the whole landscape shone with his glory. So when he returns, it's going to be incredibly loud. Now, if you guys want to know my stance, I don't have time to go into on the rapture. The rapture is at the coming of the Lord. And I have a video with Dr. Michael Brown on post-tribulation rapture. At the coming of the Lord, after the tribulation, we will all be taken up to meet him in the air. That's what the Bible says. We will meet the Lord in the air as believers. And then we will return, as the Bible says, with him as a heavenly army on white horses, okay? So how does the rapture work, Isaiah, if he's going to come back all this after the tribulation? We meet him in the air. We come back with him on white horses. Now you might say, well, the Bible says no one knows the day or hour. No, the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians, believers will know the time of his return. We won't be shocked by it. Unbelievers won't know and will be shocked. So believers will not be shocked by the coming of the Lord, according to 2 Thessalonians. The Bible says we will know the coming of his day, the unbelievers will be shocked. We won't know the day or hour, the exact day or hour, we will not know. But the Bible says we will not be shocked by the coming of the Lord. So the believers will know the time. We won't know the exact day and hour, but we'll know the time of his coming. Remember he says, just as you see the fig leaf and just as you see the season change, you'll know the season of my arrival. 
the unbelievers. Again, go watch my video on the post-tribulation rapture. So we get raptured, we meet him in the air, and we return as a heavenly army. Look what Revelation 19.11 looks, says. This is what the coming of the Lord is right here. Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. Verse 12, this is obviously describing Jesus. John's describing Jesus. Verse 12, his eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. Verse 13, he wore a robe drip, dipped in blood, and his title was the word of God. So he's on a white horse, robes dipped in blood, eyes like flames of fire, wearing many crowns, but he won't be alone. Look at what it says, because he's coming with an entire army. The Bible calls him in Psalms 46, verse 7, the Lord of heaven's armies. This heavenly army, Revelation 19, 14, will be clothed in the finest pure white linen, and they'll follow him on white horses. Who is this army that's returning with him on white horses and white linen? It's the people of God, those that have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We will be with him on white horses. We will meet him in the air and return as a heavenly army. This is what the Bible says in Revelation 19, 14. Now, when he returns... He's not going to meet the earth at Armageddon where there will be a great battle where, spoiler alert, Jesus slays all the armies of the world and the false prophet and the beast and all of them with the breath of his mouth. He'll slay them. But Zechariah 14.4 tells us his feet will touch down on the Mount of Olives. Remember, the angel says just as he's left, just as he ascended from the Mount of Olives, he will also descend onto the Mount of Olives. Now, why is Jesus coming back to the earth? What is his primary purpose to come back? Well, we know... In John 1, 29, he came as the Lamb of God the first time to die for the sins of the world. He came and brought salvation and grace. But his return will be much different. He'll, his return will be much different. He will return to wage war. He rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, but he comes back as a horse. Why is that? Because kings in those days, if they were going to declare peace, they would ride in on a donkey. And if they were going to declare war, they would ride in on a horse. So if you saw a king coming to your city on a donkey, you knew he's declaring peace. When Jesus rode in on a donkey, he was declaring that he's bringing peace, forgiveness of sin. But then when he comes back on a horse, he's coming to declare war. He's not coming back as a lamb. Write this down. He's coming back on a, as a lion with judgment, with judgment. Revelation chapter five, verse five. And we need to do another teaching on the book of Revelation. Let's do one soon for all you new people. Revelation five, five. One of the 24 elders said, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heirs of David's throne has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. So he is coming back. The line of the tribe of Judah is coming back to declare judgment. He's coming to bring judgment. Acts 17.31. For he has set a day for judging the world. Let's end with this. Acts 17.31. Then we're going to pray because we're an hour and 15 minutes in. And we'll do a part two because I have, I have literally another hour and a half of content for judgment day I want to go over. But we're going to do a part two. It's, it's too much. Acts 17.31. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he proved to everyone he is, he is who, who this is by raising him from the dead. Acts 17, 31. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he's appointed, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. Who is the man bringing judgment? Who is the man judging us on judgment day? None other than the man Christ Jesus, whom God has raised from the dead. 
Now, remember, he destroyed the earth once by water, and he's coming back to destroy the earth again by fire. Now, you said, Isaiah, he promised not to destroy the earth. No, 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 no. He promised not to flood the earth by water. He is coming back to destroy the earth, the Bible says in Revelation, by fire. There is a man coming back, beloved, with fire in his eyes, and every single one of us are going to stand before this man. This is a man that you need to get to know tonight. I'm dead serious. I am doing a clarion call. I'm doing a call for repentance. Isaiah, I've been here for an hour. I'm shaking. I'm crying. I'm trembling. I, I know I'm going to stand before him. What must I do to be saved? Now, most pastors right here are going to stop and say, close your eyes and repeat a prayer after me. The problem with that is it's not in the Bible. Jesus did not ever tell anybody, pray a prayer and invite me in your heart. Paul did not tell anybody, have, invite Jesus in your heart. When Peter preached in Acts 2.38 and the people clearly said, what must we do to be saved? He said, you need to repent. You need to repent. Ladies and gentlemen, I know a lot of preachers say, oh, repentance is work. The devil is a liar. Repentance is not work. You must repent. That means you change the way you think. You turn away from your sin. You say, I'm tired of breaking your laws. I need you tonight, Jesus. Maybe you're a lukewarm Christian, which actually doesn't exist because if you're lukewarm, you're not a Christian. Maybe you've strayed from God. You need to repent tonight. The Bible says God requires all men everywhere to repent. In the book of Acts, it says for a season, God overlooked ignorance. But now God requires all men everywhere to repent. You have to turn. You have to turn and you have to fully give everything to Jesus. Friend, this is going to cost you everything. There's no such thing. This is something 95% of preachers won't tell you. There's no such thing as being halfway in. If you're 99.9% following Jesus, you're not following Jesus. God is looking for 100%. He said, if any man wants to come after me, that would be a good time for Jesus to say, he just has to pray a prayer. Jesus didn't say that. He says he must pick up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. This is about denying yourself. Tonight, deny yourself. Well, Isaiah, I want to drink. I want to party. I want to sin. That's because your nature's wrong. But this is the beauty of the gospel. You become a new creature. The old dies. You become a new man and you have new desires, beloved. New desires. New, I no longer, I used to desire alcohol every day. I drank and I partied and I slept around and I watched pornography, but I have new desires. I don't want to drink anymore. I don't want to sleep around anymore. I don't look as women as items any longer. I'm no longer a luster friend. I am clean. I no longer watch pornography. I've been clean for 12 plus years and I was addicted for years. How? I became a new creature in Christ. The old pass away. All things are new. You can be born again right here, right now. How do I know on judgment day I'll have assurance? You can be born again right now. Where does it start? What's the first step? You need to repent. Lord, I want to know you. This is what you do. You cry out to God. I, guys, please go watch my testimony on my channel. I cussed at God at the altar. I was an atheist. I didn't believe in him. I said, God, you're not effing real. And God encountered me and changed my life. I didn't sleep for three days. I didn't eat for two weeks. Everything changed. I've never been the same. I, I can't go an hour without thinking about him. I'm obsessed with God, with Jesus, with this man that died on a real cross. This is the gospel. The good news is you can die and become a new person in Christ. Man, I wish I wasn't the way I am. Praise the Lord. You get to die. It's not a prayer. 
where Jesus comes and builds a treehouse in your heart. And I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to make fun. It's not just some go to church on Sunday. Oh yeah, this is a, this is a funeral tonight for you. Tonight is a night of a funeral where you die and there's a new man being resurrected. It's a funeral and it's a birth at the same time. You know, it's like, I always, every time we were in the hospital having kids and our kids were born, it would be such a crazy thought because I would think I'm on floor three of the hospital and my, my daughter's being born and right above me, there's a man dying of old age. And in the same area, there's someone dying and someone being born. Have you ever thought about that in the hospital? Right there, one floor over. The fourth floor is urgent, you know, the ICU. And the third floor is where people are giving birth. And this is really the gospel message. There's someone dying tonight. And then all of a sudden, there's someone born again. There's a new person where no one even recognizes you anymore. Friend, after tonight, no one's going to recognize you. You're going to be a new person. You're going to be unrecognizable. I hadn't seen my sister in six months and she came home after I was saved and said, crying, ran to my uncle's house across the street and said, who is that guy at my house? That's not my brother. She cried and said, I don't want to go over there. I'm scared. Who's that guy in my house? That's not Isaiah. And my uncle said, you're right, sunshine. That's my sister's name. That's not your brother. That's a new person. The old guy you knew for 19 years, that was an imposter. That was someone faking. That's not the real Isaiah. That's the real Isaiah. My, my older sister, who I was raised with, didn't recognize me. Beloved, I was born again. You can be born again tonight. What do I do? Repent in your own earnest prayer. Cry out to God saying, Jesus, I'll give you everything. I want to serve you. I want to know you. I want to turn from my wicked ways. I repent tonight in Jesus' name. Pray right now. Pray right now. Say, God, I repent. I want to know you. I want to receive your Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray for you as you pray. Father, I pray right now over every person that's a fake Christian, an unbeliever, an atheist, an agnostic. I don't care what religion, what race, what ethnicity, what your bank account looks like. I pray, Lord, that you would release the gift of salvation, that you would see their tears. Father, you said no one comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. And God, I know by the power of the Holy Spirit that you are drawing people to you tonight, God. Lord, I pray that you would draw them to you. I pray tonight that you would release your Holy Spirit. I pray tonight that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit and power tonight in Jesus' name. Tonight is the night for you to repent of your sins. Tonight is the night for you to turn to God. Turn to him right now. Say, God, forgive me of my sin. Wash me. I repent. Friend, you can get, you can get baptized tonight in your bathtub. Have someone baptize you in the bathtub tonight. Do it. Baptize your kids in the bathtub tonight. Repent tonight. Lord, I repent. I need you, God. Forgive me of my sin. God, I've lived unrighteous. I've lived unclean. I need you, Holy Spirit. Touch my life. Anoint me tonight, God. Release your fire upon me tonight, God. Release your presence upon me tonight, God. I can't live without you. I can't sleep without you, God. I need your Holy Spirit. I need your sweet presence in my life. Holy Spirit, change my life. Anoint me, God, for the work of the ministry. Forgive me my sin, God. Re re I renounce all uncleanliness, ungodliness. Maybe you think you're a Christian, you're not. God, I want to know you. I want to stand before you on Judgment Day clean. I want a reward. God, help me to win these crowns. Friend, I don't want to be on Judgment Day. And I'm, I'm talking about me. I don't want to be on Judgment Day with a pile of ashes. I don't want to be on Judgment Day with nothing. I want to do stuff that matters. And guys, please don't be condemned. Be like, I have to sell all my stuff. It's okay. As long as you know it won't matter on Judgment Day. I don't care about the money. I don't care. It's not going to matter on Judgment Day. It's not going to matter on Judgment Day. It's not going to matter. That, help, that will help you be generous when you're like, oh, money doesn't even matter. 
It's just a tool in this life. It's just a tool to reach people in this life. What's going to matter? Am I going to have reward? I have all this nice stuff, but am I going to have reward? Nice car, nice house. Great. Praise the Lord. Blessed. I'm blessed, friend. I'm blessed. But what's eternal there? Because I know my car is going to be a pile of ashes. I know my house is going to be a pile of ashes. I know everything I own is going to be a pile of ashes. Is there some emeralds in that pile of ashes? Is there some diamonds there? Is there something eternal? Have I, have I preached and reached anybody, discipled anybody for the gospel, for the sake of the kingdom? Like, man, I want to make an eternal impact, God. I want to stand before you, Lord, if there's anything in my life that is not of you that is going to be hinder me on judgment day. Show me, Lord, tonight. Show me, Lord, tonight. If there's anything hindering in my life, show me tonight. Show me tonight, God. Point out the sin, God. Point out the compromise. Guys, don't, guys, please don't think I'm up on this pedestal preaching down at you. Don't think I'm going like, you're this, you're that, you're a little maggot, and I have it all together. No, 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 no. I'm responding tonight. Beloved, I'm the first one at the altar tonight. This is a virtual altar, and I'm the first one on the altar saying, God, what is in my life that offends you, God? What is in the life of Isaiah Salvar? I hope you don't think I'm not responding. I hope you don't think I think I'm better than you. I hope you don't think this is just for you. Friend, I'm asking the Lord tonight, God, what is in my life that's going to hinder me on judgment day? You don't think this keeps me up at night? You don't think that I'm, I'm going, Lord, I also want to have my heart right. I don't want to be that preacher that just preaches it but doesn't walk it out. I want my heart to be right with God. I want my heart to be clean before the Lord. I want to be washed by the blood of Jesus. I want to be spotless. So Lord, right now, if there's anything offending you or hindering, hindering my life, my Christian existence, God, help me so I can stand before you. Ask him, type in the chat, Lord, I want my heart to be right on judgment day. I want my heart to be right. And whatever's in the way, I'll get rid of it all. If God says, this is hindering you on judgment day, this is going to, oh yeah, this is going to, the way you talk, Isaiah, the way you do this, if there's anything God convicts me of and says, this is going to bring hindrance on judgment day, I'm getting rid of it. I'm getting rid of it. I don't care. None of this life matters to me. None of it matters to me. It's all about Jesus and reaching people with the gospel. Do what matters. Do what matters on judgment day. I want my heart to be pure. If there's any compromise, and maybe the Lord is convicting you tonight and you're like, well, it's not sin. Well, maybe it is sin. How are you going to tell the Lord it's not sin? What could be sin for one person might not be sin for another person, the Bible says. So if God points at something in my life, I am not going to tell God it's not sin because for me, it is sin. It's hindering my call. It's breaking the law of God. Sin is two things. It's breaking God's law and it's missing the mark. That's the two things that the Bible describes as sin. So don't, don't argue with God. Don't fight God. If he's saying it's sin, okay, Lord, I hear you, Lord. It's sin. I need to get rid of it tonight so I could be clean and clear on judgment day. My heart could be pure on judgment day. I don't want to be on line. I don't, I'm sorry. I don't want to be in line getting ready to go before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I don't know if there is a line, but if God's separating people, it seems to be there might be a line. And I, don't have, I didn't go into all the different types of judgment days tonight, which I will in another video. And I have some content on my channel about that. But if there is a line, I don't want to be in line looking at the judgment seat of Christ saying, oh, I have so much regret. I have so much regret. Lord, I want to have a clean, pure heart tonight before you. Be convicted tonight. Repent tonight. Be washed in the blood of Jesus. Be obedient. I don't want to be on, in, on, in line and being like, 
I don't know if I'm gonna have any works. I don't know if I'm clean. I don't know if I'm washed. I don't know if I'm even gonna make it when I get there. I wanna stand bold before the throne of God. The Bible says the righteous will be bold on judgment day. I wanna be bold. I'm not trying to put a yoke on you tonight. I'm not trying to put a burden on you tonight, but you should feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You should watch this entire video and go, oh, I feel that conviction. Oh yeah, I'm glad you're telling me this now, Isaiah. I'm, tell I'm glad you're telling me this now. Father, I pray every single person, wash them, cleanse them, renew them, and restore them. In Jesus' name, I want to be clean on Judgment Day. I want to be pure on Judgment Day. God, I want to know you. I want to know you for real, Lord. I don't want to be a faker. I don't want to be a faker. I don't want to stand before you and the whole world know me, but you don't know me. I don't want to stand before God and God go, oh, look, cute, you have a million subscribers, but I don't even know you. Who are you? What was your last name, Isaiah? What? God, I want to know you. I don't want to be one of those that prophesied, did miracles, cast out demons, and God says, depart from me, I never knew you. That verse is about not having a real relationship with Jesus. I want to have a genuine, solid, pure, clean, conscious relationship. I don't want to be fake. Cleanse me, God. Wash me. I don't ever want to be one of those that falls to the wayside. I don't want to be a shooting star here today and gone tomorrow. God, I want to be a, a fire that burns for you. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Touch every person in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.